First Kings chapter 18, First Kings 18. Um, uh, let me just uh, share with you the title. The title is God is a great father. He is a great father. Some of you have fathers that didn't quite hit the mark. Some of you have fathers that were awesome. Some of you have fathers that were somewhere in between. Uh, But I just want you to know that that is your earthly father. And um, all of us, I I have three kids myself. Um, All of us dads know what it feels like to say, hey, I did good just then. Like, I'm not going to say it out loud, but... I was pretty much the bomb father just at that moment right there. And then we have this catalog in our minds that we try to ignore and push out of our head of all the areas where we just messed up royally and we just try to keep it out. We try to keep it out. I just want you to know that we're just merely the human father. You're the God of the universe, the one who slung stars and pulled mountains out of the ground. That is your father and he loves you so much and he loves to say yes. He loves to say yes. Um, Sometimes we back up and we wonder why doesn't he say yes more often? Because oftentimes the things that we're asking for, it's the right thing at the wrong time. And if it's uh, the right thing at the wrong time, then it's the wrong thing for a while. And it's, it's coming. There's only one person in the Bible that didn't have to grow. He just woke up and was already grown. And that was Adam. He just woke up and he was blessed. He just, ah, oh my goodness. And he was, a, he was in charge of the garden. He was in charge of naming Adam, uh, animals. He, he didn't have to grow. He never had to learn how to walk. Nobody had to tell him, Adam, take your finger out of your nose. He's never raised. He just was born an adult. And then he went to sleep one time and woke up and bang, he was married. He never had to walk up to him like, hey, how you doing? I'm Adam. You wanna... He never had to do that. He just woke up and bang, married. Woke up, bang, a leader. Woke up, bang, responsibility. Woke up, bang, blessed. And, and, and we see how that worked out. We desire to just pray, be blessed, and let's keep moving. And the Lord just like, I'm going to bless you abundantly, but it can't be like that. It can't, we learned that lesson once. And, uh, and, but I want you to know that when you ask the Lord for things, that he loves to give it to you. It's actually harder for him. I just received this revelation a couple weeks ago. It's harder for him to not give you what you're asking for than it is for him to give it to you. Uh, this is how this revelation set in. I have a daughter... Her name is Kate. She's four years old. When we go to Target, she's always asking for a prize. Well, she's in a great season because she's four. So all of her prizes are less than 10 bucks. She doesn't have expensive prizes. She's like, can I please have some crayons? Can I please have some crayons? I'm like, well, you know, daddy's rich. You know, I, 
I can afford these crayons. In fact, go ahead and get two packs of crayons. You know, they're buy, buy two for the price of one. And I'm only going to have to spend two bucks. But, but it's hard. It's hard because just because I can buy all of her prizes, because they're only two or three dollars, I don't want to spoil her. And so I have to say no, even though I can easily give it to her. And it dawned on me. That if I, being sinful, know how to give good gifts to my children, how much more does our Father in Heaven know how to give good gifts? Some of you know how to give a good Christmas gift. Some of you are really creative. You you don't even have to spend a lot of money and you can give a gift that can make somebody cry. Just, just, you know how to give gifts, don't... We're all sinful, but yet we know how to give gifts. Keep that in mind. God loves to say yes. He loves it. There's there's a few things about our Father that we need to keep in mind. Uh, And I'm going to share three of them with you today. The first is your your pace, your place, and your passion. Your pace your place, and your passion. Let me talk about your place a little bit. Oftentimes we evaluate ourselves to determine how well we're doing, our place in life. What's today's date? June the 17th. So June the 17th, uh, 2018, we sit here and we say, okay, am I where I'm supposed to be? Is my plan on pace? Do I have the amount of money in the account that I was anticipating having? Is my marriage where I thought it would be? Is my health, when I look in the mirror, is it where I thought it would be? Am I as successful as I anticipated being? Does my family look like that family that I imagined having as a kid? And we look at our pace. And if you're anything like me, you can find one or two things where you're like, okay, that's going good. But then you can find a whole list of things that are way behind schedule. Are you with me? I just want you to know that the Lord is not concerned about your pace. He's not concerned about your pace. He's not looking at you going, you have wasted 10 years. He's not looking at you saying that. I feel like somebody needs to hear this in this room. He's not looking at you saying, you made a bad decision, and now you're so far off track, you're lucky to get to heaven even if you do. No, that's not how he looks at you. He doesn't look at your pace. He doesn't say, you're supposed to be here by this point. You're supposed to be here by this point. He doesn't look at your pace. And you say, well, how do you know that? Because pace is attached to time. And, and God doesn't operate in time. He, he doesn't, he, he's above time. He, he doesn't sit there and go, I need you to be here by June the 17th. He, he, he doesn't look at pace. Let me give you a, an example. Um, when Jesus uh, was announced by angels, um, that, that the Messiah was coming. Those big hosts of angels started singing. The, the, the sky opened up and they started singing. And, uh, and, 
in word went out that there was a Messiah was coming. And then all of a sudden, it went quiet. Nothing happened. For 26 years, no one ever heard of anything. And so the leader of the Sanhedrin was a guy by the name of Gamaliel. And the Sanhedrin was uh, 71 rabbis that would teach religious law and teach from the Old Testament. And he was the leader. And so the Sanhedrin said, Gamaliel, we think or we heard that the Messiah was announced like 26 years ago, but we don't know if, if he ever came or not. And why don't you go out and interview some people and come back and tell us what you find out? And so he, he wrote his own book, and I was, I was reading about it, and, and he interviewed Mary and Joseph. Jesus was 26 at the time. And Jesus was very quiet as a young man and as a boy. He was shy, standoffish, and quiet, and disinterested in most things. And so Mary and Joseph started doubting whether or not the angel was actually right. And let me read an, an excerpt for you. It reads like this. Joseph said this. He goes, so I married Mary, thinking that if the angel had told us, uh, what the angel had told us is true, it would be greatly to our advantage. Because you've got to remember, he wasn't going to marry her. But I am fearful that we are mistaken. Jesus seems to take no interest in anything. I don't think he will ever amount to much. An idiot. <laughs> much less be a king. If he does, he must do a great deal better than what he has been doing. Let me just take a sidebar for every parent in here that's looking at your kids and you're like, ah, that's what Jesus' parents were doing. They were like, what? Ah! And then all of a sudden something clicked. The Holy Spirit came and landed on Jesus' shoulders and when that happened... Everything changed. He did more in three years than he did the entire 30 years that he was alive. In fact, he did more in three years than everybody on the earth all added together. See, pace doesn't mean anything when the Holy Spirit gets involved. Things start happening. The opportunities start opening. Revelations. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit will teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. Don't look at your pace because Jesus isn't looking at your pace. Just say, Lord, I just need more of the Holy Spirit flowing through my life. I just need more of your presence Flowing through my life. Now listen to how I'm saying that. I'm, saying, I'm not saying that I need more of his presence. I'm saying I need more flowing through my life. Because this much presence of God can change everything. So we don't need more of his presence. 
His presence needs more of us. He needs more of our attention, more of our time, more of our devotion, more of our heart, more of our passion. And then it begins to flow through us like a, like a water through a hose. Have you ever turned on the water to the hose? And then you, you go find the hose and, and your water and it's like blip, 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 blip. And you know good and well you turned it all the way on. It's like blip, 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 blip. So your brain, it knows what's wrong. So you drop the hose and you go back and you follow it around. You follow it around. Oh, here's the problem right here. There's a kink in this thing. You open up the kink and then you go back and sometimes there's a kink. There's a kink in our life that's keeping the flow coming through us. And, And that kink could be different for anybody. Sometimes it's a, it's a secret sin that nobody knows about. And you're thinking, I'm getting away with this. Sometimes it's, it's I'm only going to make time for you when I have nothing else better to do. You're not my first option. You're my last resort. Mentalities like that put a kink in the hose. But when you go back and you straighten it out and you say, God, I've lived enough life to where I'm not enamored by anything else anymore except for the possibilities of what can happen in your presence. And I'm going to devote the rest of my life to pursuing you, to be laser focused on you. Is there anybody in this room that says, that's me? It's that kind of mentality that unlocks the hose and it begins to flow through you. Don't worry about your pace. Look at the person next to you and say, don't worry about your pace. Let's talk about your place for a minute. Sometimes if you're anything like me, you're, you've got these grandiose goals. I talked to somebody the other day, he's 78 years old, and it was almost like I was talking to a 21-year-old because he had such big goals. And, and when you have these big goals, a lot of times you can be disenchanted with the present season. You're frustrated with the present season. Uh, I just want you to know that, that God is not frustrated with the season that you're in. He's assigned the season that you're in. You, you are, the season that you're in has a purpose. This business about being on the shelf is baloney. Or Bologna, if you want to spell it right. It's, it's, it, I'm on the shelf. What, what, what do you mean you're on the shelf? You put flowers on the shelf. You don't put your children on the shelf. Come on. God's a good God. He's an awesome God. You're not on the shelf. You're not being punished. You can go sit in the room and wait. And, you know, go put your nose in the corner. Yeah. What? Come on. The season that you're in may not be the season that you like, but it's the season that you need. That was good. Thank you for saying that. I think only you thought that was good. Thank you. It's the season that you need. Look, I'm talking to me too. I don't like the season that I'm in. I can't stand the season that I'm in. I can't stand it so much I'm fasting several times a week to get this season over and done with. But I know me. As soon as I get out of this season, 
I'm not going to feel compelled to fast and pray as much because I finally got out of that season. I'm going to be all excited and pumped up. Now you tell me, when will I have been closer to the Lord? When I get out of the season and he's answered my prayer or while I'm in the thick of it right now? Right in the middle of it. Right when I'm in the thick of it. I'm closer to the Lord now than I will be when I'm like, whoa! Elijah was praying for the drought to end. After praying and praying and praying and praying and praying, his servant goes, there's a cloud the size of a man's hand. I don't know if that means anything to you. He said, start running now. He starts running. There's a guy on a horse riding out of town. He passes the horse. He passes secretariat. He passes. If it wasn't in the Bible, I wouldn't believe it. He passes a horse. You tell me, where was he more intimate with the Lord? When was he closer to the Lord? When he was running? Or when he was praying for the miracle? You might be in a season right now where you're praying for the miracle. Oh, things are sweeter now than they will be when you get your answer. How many of you know I'm telling the truth? Come on, raise your hand. You know I'm telling the truth. You know I am. I tell you what, when we get to heaven, because it ain't going to happen here, we're going to thank God for the rough seasons. I'm not thanking them right now, though. Anybody with me? They may be good for me, but I still don't like them. I still don't like asparagus. I know it's good for me. I still don't like it. The only way I like it, oh man, this can preach. The only way I like it is if I contaminate it by putting salt on it. Sometimes we contaminate a good season to make it better for our flesh. It's not my sermon, though. You come back next week. (laughs) Number three, my last and final point is passion. Your father in heaven, he watches over your pace. He watches over your place. And he watches over your passion. There's a certain level of passion required to receive everything that God has for you. There's, there's, there's uh, passively waiting and then there's actively waiting. And let me just share with you, there is no passivity while actively waiting. Actively waiting means I don't have what I have, but I'm pursuing what I want. You can't control the increase. One man waters, another man plants, but God gives the growth. Lord, I can't determine when it's going to grow, but I'm going to fertilize the mess out of this thing. I'm going to worship. I'm going to pray. I'm going to search my heart. I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to stay hungry. I'm going to stay humble. And when it grows, there's a lot of seed in the ground. Sometimes we get frustrated because a particular seed that we sowed last week or last year hasn't grown. Let's think about the logic in that. I walk out to my front yard. I have no bushes. I have no plants. I have no flowers. I take a seed. I put it in the yard and I'm like this. 
I planted, I sowed, I can't make it grow, 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 grow. I can't do that. God's got to make it grow. Man, you are taking forever. And then it blooms and I'm not even impressed with it. Or I could just be, I don't know when you're going to make it grow, but I've got so much seed in here. When you do make it grow, it's going to be like the freaking Garden of Eden in my front yard. Don't put one seed and back up and stare. You pray, you worship, you worship, you pray, you pray, you worship, and you just keep putting stuff in the ground. And what I've learned, man, I'm having fun this morning. Anyone having fun? What I've learned that is if you're constantly praying about something, you're always having a breakthrough somewhere. You just keep sowing. You just, you don't stand around. Or another way of putting it. Have you ever seen a wide receiver? Down, set, blue, 42, hut. The quarterback backs up and he throws it. He does not throw it to the wide receiver. He doesn't throw it. It looks like he's throwing it to him, but he's not. He's throwing the ball to where the wide receiver is going to be. He throws it. If the wide receiver is going this way, he throws it like way over there. And he's counting on that guy being in that spot. He doesn't throw it to a person. He throws it to a spot. That's why your position is very important. It's a different. You've got to kill that rabbit. I'll chase them all over this sanctuary. But this is what I love. <laughs> this is what I love. The wide receiver, if he wants that ball, and every quarterback knows this, they put it in the air and they tell him, go get it. I'm going to put it in the air, now you go get it. And the most valuable wide receivers are the ones, hey, you just put it up there and I'll get it. I'll get it. I got people pushing me. I got people in front of me. I even got people trying to steal it. You just put it up there and I'll get it. Let me just tell you this. There's, you've got opposition. You're not in the backyard playing catch. You've got opposition that you have to fight against. You have a schedule that you have to fight against. You have a a mentality that you have to fight against. You have moods. Are y'all out there? Oh, all y'all are always in good moods? All y'all are always happy? How about this? All y'all liars. How about that? I don't know what you're talking about, sir. I just pray and fast all day long. Want, want, want. You are a liar. (laughs) So what did your preacher preach about today? Uh, You don't want to know. Your pace. You just need the Holy Spirit. I just need the Holy Spirit. Your place. Trust me. What's happening to you right now is precious. Number three, your passion. Don't stop fighting just because there's some opposition. 
you know, you're going to have a reputation in heaven. You're going to have a reputation. And I know that because in Revelations, he talks about seven different churches and they all had a reputation. Even people had a reputation. And one time he was talking about John the Baptist. John the Baptist wasn't around. He was talking about, there was a conversation happening with Jesus about John the Baptist. John the Baptist wasn't there. And he said back to him, he goes, you know, John the Baptist, what, what were you expecting to see when you went out to the wilderness to look at him? Did you expect to see a reed shaking in the wind? And that was an inverted question to make a statement. John the Baptist doesn't get shaken by anything. You may not like him, but he does not get shaken by anything. I want you and I myself want to have that reputation that my passion is so high that whatever the opposition is, it's not going to slow me down. It's actually just going to make me mad to make me turn up the passion even more. Is anyone here that need to turn it up even more? Let me just tell you, for those of you that played sports, because it's, it's dad's day, let's talk about sports. Those of you that grew up playing sports, if in the first quarter, the guy that's guarding you ends up elbowing you, what are you going to do? Check out? Coach, you got to take me out. This guy's being way too physical. You don't even talk about it. In your head, you know. Oh, this is exactly what you say to yourself. Oh, we're going to play like that today. (laughs) Come on, man. Come on, man. Oh, we're going to play like that today? Okay, 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 okay. I can play like that too. Uh, Now I know. Now I know. How do you like this? Wow! (laughs) That's how we're going to play like that? I can play like that. And when you go into seasons and it, and it comes up, Peter said it this way, when, when fiery trials come against you, are you surprised? That's all I got for today. Would you stand up? I'd like our prayer partners to come down, if they would, all throughout the building, right down here. Would everyone here just raise both hands? It's just a sign of surrender. If you feel uncomfortable with it, you don't have to do it, obviously. It's just a sign of surrender. And while your hands are raised, would you just talk to them a little bit? I don't want you to distract anyone around you, but I want you to talk to them. You can just say, I love you, Jesus, over and over again, if you'd like. Lord, we love you, Jesus. Come on, let me, let me, let me hear a, a, a bunch of whispering in this room. A bunch of whispering, come on. A bunch of whispering. Come on, celebration. Some of you guys have been saved for like 10 years. Help me out. We love you, Jesus. Love you, Jesus. If you're married, I want you to just grab, and, and if you're married and you're standing next to your spouse, I want you to just grab their hand right where you're at. 
Satan, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to stop whispering in their ears. I command you in the name of Jesus to stop whispering in their ears. Leave their house. Leave their house. Stay away from them. Stay away from them. God has put them together. Stay away from them. Lord, I just pray in the name of Jesus that just as their blood is flowing through their veins, I pray that your Holy Spirit begins to flow through their veins right now. In the name of Jesus. If you're standing in this room and your spouse is not with you, I want you to just put your hands together as if you're holding their hand. Father, in the name of Jesus, you've already promised in your word. You have already told us in your word that you are able to remove a heart of stone and replace it with a heart of flesh. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, a reconciliation. I pray in the name of Jesus for there to be love and there to be passion. I pray in Jesus' name that neither one cares about who is right anymore. It's not about being right anymore. It's not about being right anymore. I break that spirit of having to be right, of having to win, of having to be victorious and punishing the other one if the, if the point has not been made clear. If it hasn't been to your, if the apology has not been to your satisfaction, no more punishment in Jesus' name. I know this has nothing to do with my sermon, but I feel the presence of God in this room. Your marriage, God has put you together. It was not an accident. God has put you together. God has put you together. And if you're married to somebody who's not saved, I believe that they will be saved because of you. Because of you. You have such a big role right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, pour love not just on them, not just on the wife, not just on the husband, but on the entire house, God. Saturate that house. As much as there is oxygen, let there be love in that house. Let today be the day. Father's Day 2018 is the day where their marriage was never again the same. In the name of Jesus, it was never again the same. Never again the same. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. If you're standing next to your spouse, I want you to put your arm around them. Actually, I want you to hug them right now. In the name of Jesus, I want you to hug them. Father, in the name of Jesus. As close as they are to each other, in Jesus' name, as close as they are to each other, I want you to be closer than that. I want you to be closer than that. There is no room for you, Satan. I break your stronghold. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, we love you. I'd like for you to, whatever your need is, there's a sweet presence of deliverance and victory in this room right now. I want to encourage you, come out of your seat. Take the hand of a prayer partner. Let them speak victory into your life. There's no official dismissal. You can leave whenever you get ready. But let's worship his name before you leave.